Howdy, partner. <laughs> Excited to join you up here on the What the Truck stage. I'm Dooner. That is the dude, Michael Vincent. Hey, peace and love. Welcome, everybody. We out uh, wrangling some doggies or something? Or Out here, man. We got to bring the cows back to the ranch. <laughs> hey, to wrangle you guys, if you've never seen What the Truck before, we are a twice-weekly podcast. We are live at uh, noon Eastern time, Mondays and Fridays on FreightWaves TV, FreightWaves LinkedIn, FreightWaves Facebook, and podcast players everywhere. And by the way, we just got added to Amazon Music, so you can look up oh, What the Truck on out. Amazon Music if that's how you experience podcasts. Wow. It must be our Play It Forward segment. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> we, got, we have a whole new right. season of Play It Forward, too, if you guys aren't familiar. If you play a uh, instrument... Right come, on. On, come on the show. You know, come on the show. We'll, we'll have you play a little lick for us, and then we'll talk some shop. We have, we're going to talk a ton of shop today, though. We have Angie Slaughter from Anheuser-Busch. She's yeah. been with them for 12 years. She's seen their, their pathway to sustainability to zero emissions. She's going to guide us through how they've been doing that. Daniel Stanton, Mr. Yeah, supply, Mr. Chain. supply Chain. He'll be joining us. He'll be talking a little house. bit about that do-it-yourself projects. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the D- yeah, the DIYs. Yep. We got Port of Long Beach, <laughs> right? Porter, Dr. Noel from the uh, Dep- Deputy Executive Director of Port of Long Beach. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Very cool having him on here. Yeah. You know, you have him on. He's talking about pandemic response at the ports. We heard uh, Gene Soroka talk about that. We now did. we're going to hear what the port right down the street from them is doing also to answer those tough questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're right on top of each other right there. Oh, yeah. Right. And then we, have, then we have our good friend from the front app. It's Andrew Berger, former minor league baseball player. I'm excited to hear how that has translated yeah, right? into his business acumen. Yeah, he's going to maybe throw us some heaters over to plate for us. Hopefully, he's going to throw us some heaters, but he's also going to talk about operational customer communication that moves the pace of business. Keeping that communication, wow, we talk about visibility, we talk about people, well, communication is the bridge that ties us all together, and he'll, uh, he'll bring that to us. He also has background with Square, the payment app. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah front app's stuff. pretty cool. Fascinating stuff. And uh, Samantha Foley says uh, that hat is a DFW girl. She supports it. And Kevin Hill says nice hat as well. You know, the last time I got to wear this hat was at uh, Gats, man. We didn't get Gats this year. <laughs> I love it. Well, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, we're going to go into oh, a break sorry. right now. When we come back on the other side of it, we'll be bringing up Angie Slaughter with us to talk about Anheuser-Busch's quest for zero emissions and sustainability. Hey, and welcome back to the live desk here over on What the Truck Live from Global Trade Tech, presented by American Shipper. And right now, it is our honor, myself, Dooner, and the dude's honor to bring on Angie Slaughter, VP of Sustainability at Anheuser-Busch North America. Hey, Angie, thank you so much for taking a little time out of your day to connect with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here from the home of Budweiser. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what? We were really excited to talk to you because we know about your quest for sustainability. But one of the reasons that make you such a cool person to talk to about it is you have that deep tribal knowledge of being with Budweiser for over 12 years and seeing their progress and seeing this whole entire project uh, through a lot along the way. Tell me a little bit about what goes into that. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I've actually been here 23 years now. Oh, wow. 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 So, 23. Yeah. Grew up in the operations, came over to procurement and sustainability some time ago, but we've been on this quest um, to really uh, go forward and move the industry forward with our 2025 sustainability goals. They're, they're focused in four areas, water stewardship, smart agriculture, circular packaging, and probably most important for transportation, um, renewables and carbon reduction, which is where our carbon reduction and transportation comes into play. 
So, Angie, it, I mean, the, can you give us a, an idea of the scope of, of your global supply chain and how that zero emissions, that, that goal, that quest fits into that? It's got to be very difficult with the size of your supply chain. It is, yes. We're part of, Anheuser-Busch is part of AB InBev globally. So globally, um, we operate in 50 countries. We produce more than 560 million barrels of beer every year. Um, here in the U.S., we, we have a vast network. It's a three-tier system. Uh, after the repeal of, of prohibition, we went into uh, that three-tier system, which is really our producers um, or the brewers, the producers and distributors and the retailers. So we have a fleet network that we own between our breweries and our wholesalers, and then again between our wholesalers and our retailers. Um, so to give you an idea, about 800,000 shipments every year, 12,000 unique lanes um, here at the St. Louis Brewery, right behind me in this, this building over my shoulder. Um, we produce about 12 million barrels of beer, so 8,000 shipments out of this facility, um, just to give you an idea. Wow. You know, when you were on What the Truck with us, maybe a few months ago, we were talking to you about the scope of that supply chain on a previous mm -hmm. episode. And you said something that was really enlightening. And you said, you know, we liken ourselves to an agricultural company and this transportation company. And it made so much sense when you laid it out like that. You're not just a, a beer company. You're all the things that go into making a beer company. Yeah. When you think about beer, it, it's uh, not surprising, right? Water is a large part of our business. It takes a, a great amount of a very high quality water, make great quality beers. And then the agricultural supply chain, the, the, the volume of commodities that we buy each year that go into our agricultural supply chain um, are immense. And then we own a lot of our vertical operations. So we own malt houses. We own a hops farm. We own a rice milling facility um, as well. So, so those are things that fit right into our, our vertical supply chain. Angie, what are some of the challenges that you come across as you work towards the sustainability on such a, a large scope as you pointed out in your supply chain? I think some of the challenges we face are around, you know, everyone moving fast enough and, and faster in the industry. So we, we like to think that we're, we're leading the industry forward to figure out what are the right solutions in the transportation space. And we need infrastructure. Our, our country has to come together, I think, and, and figure out the infrastructure side of things. Um, we have a couple strong partnerships this year. I can I can tell you a little bit about and how we're how we're actually executing um, to move forward towards zero emissions. We have a partnership that we announced with uh, RNG use, so 180 trucks here at our St. Louis facility and in Houston. We're converting to RNG which, as you probably know, is about 70% less of a carbon impact than a conventional diesel truck. So that's, that's just one example uh, that we recently announced. You know, when you're thinking about a sustainable, a sustainable chai supply chain, you have to change people's minds, you have yeah. to change processes, you have to change systems, and you have to change regulations. What part of that makes it a, a challenge, though, or do they all work together? How do you get people on board for sustainability, and how has people, how has people wanting to get on board changed over your, your time with Anheuser-Busch? You've been there for 23 years, so you've seen a lot of progress. great deal for us, though, is that all of our sustainability initiatives and our, our public goals, our external goals for 2025, they're all supply chain based. So we, we know that we can't do this alone. We have to have really strong partners. We have to have 
um, those relationships in place to move our entire supply chain forward at once. We, we know and understand that we have to have those strong partnerships. Uh, yeah, excellent, excellent, Angie. And so as you're working through this, and as you mentioned, it's a supply chain goal, right? So collective action towards that has got to be really important to you guys. How, how, do, you, how do you work with that with your massive supply chain and all your vendors? Yeah, it's strong partnerships. Another one I would point to in addition to, to RNG um, would be our work with BYD. Um, so this is in our space between our wholly owned wholesalers to retail. We have about 25 trucks now by the end of the year in Southern California that we will have converted to EV technology with all the infrastructure. So that was, again, a strong partnership with BYD, the state of California, um, CTE, and Engie. Actually, Engie actually built the infrastructure for us, and they worked to install solar at one of those facilities as well for the generation side. You know, one of your initiatives is bringing new trucks into your fleet. But another thing that, that you can look at is, is driver behavior. Does Anheuser-Busch look at all at, at driver behavior, performance, idling, and those kind of incremental changes we can make in the process? Absolutely. Yeah, we love the benchmark. So all of our facilities get, get benchmarking data. We also poll our drivers. It, you know, you have to keep the drivers engaged. The driver experience as you flip your fleet over is extremely important. Um, we learned that through our pilot work, uh, again, with, with RNG and CNG um, and, and BYD, uh, making sure the driver feedback loop is there so we're getting that communication back from the drivers to ensure we make improvements and, and make the efficiencies that we need to move it forward. Yeah, the coaching and the feedback to the drivers is enormous. We've been talking to people yeah. where there's significant savings that you can that you can uh, realize through driver coaching and feathering that that uh, that gas pedal, right? Oh yeah. Uh, but so there's many different moving parts there, Angie. What would you say is the most challenging part of attaining these uh, sustainability goals? Um, again, I would go back to smart investment and the infrastructure side. Um, a lot of people are trying to do similar things. If we could all just um, commingle our funds and invest it, it, it the smartest way on a regional basis, um, that would that would be amazing. So we're looking for more partners, more partners to do that. Um, but the other thing I would say on the the driver experience that you brought up, I do think it's a way to attract new drivers to the industry also. Um, by giving them, those that are interested in the technology, giving them the ability to, to drive these, these new state-of-the-art, um, you know, new technology vehicles. Uh, it can be very empowering, I think, and motivating to drivers. Well, I got to say, if regulations can't meet the need global, whether, we, whether it be global or in the United States, can't meet the needs of climate change or sustainability, it is wonderful to see the corporations who are the stewards and employers of many of us, especially yeah. Anheuser-Busch, looking into and taking the initiative to push these uh, these processes forward. Angie, we thank you so much for your time. For people who want to learn more about what you do, Anheuser-Busch, maybe they're interested in a career in supply chain with you. Where do they go? Absolutely. There's a website I would recommend, purpose.brewing.com. Um, so that's out there for anyone that would like to take a look. I would also say uh, drop me a note on LinkedIn. You can absolutely connect. Well, thank Excellent Angie, stuff. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, Always really, really interesting stuff. The one thing that I took out of there, I mean, all of it was really good, but one major point just really quickly was the collaboration, the infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Uh, not just within their own supply chain, but across the board, right? 
Well, here it is. It's, it's, a, net, it's a network, right? They, yeah. they, they, maybe it's not a chain anymore. It's that sprayed, splayed out network as we brought up in the topic, in the topics yesterday. And um, having all that partnership, you can't just do it yourself. No. Anheuser-Busch can't save the world themselves. They, no, they can't, can't go build out the infrastructure for all these sustainable vehicles yeah. throughout, you know, with just their vehicles. But you know what? They, they have the weight to push partners and they have the weight to make changes. Right. In the way a lot of things are functioned within the supply chain. And then when a leader like that does it, then everyone else wants to follow the lead. Hey, we're going to break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Daniel Stanton. You may know him as Mr. Supply Chain. Welcome back to the desk over here. Michael Mistel, he's in the comments. He says, agreed. These guys are awesome. We got to agree with you. And we're going to welcome one of our favorite cowpokes to the stage right. right now, partner. It's my buddy, Daniel Stanton, otherwise known as Mr. Supply Mr. Chain. Supply Chain. <laughs> What's up? Man? I love the hat. How you doing? I, yeah. You know, I just—I I can't be out rednecked by Dooner in the Duke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, hey, you're in North Carolina. How you fare? We're we're looking at the news, man. Uh, we on the TV across from us, and we're seeing South Carolina's getting hammered. You okay out there? So it, it's hysterical. It, it's getting wet, right? It's getting really, really wet. It, it's raining, and um, my my next door neighbor—they've got their teenage son. Um, this last week built a skateboard ramp, right? And and I've been looking at it really jealous and kind of, but now with all the rain, I'm wondering, maybe it's an arc, right? So like <laughs> when they when they start loading the pets up, I, maybe they know something I don't know and I need to get scared. Now, I'm, I <laughs> want to awesome. dive into this, this do-it-yourself uh, subject, but I also noticed that you're holding a guitar. I can't help but notice that. I. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's you know, it, for this it's a prop, but it's my oh. my baby Taylor. Oh, oh okay. Jesus. Right? So, <laughs> All so right. um, I, I've got the the it, it's uh, it, it's parent is sitting over against the wall. But the the story with the baby Taylor actually it's a logistics thing because when I was in the Navy, I needed a guitar that I could take to sea with me, and the the baby Taylor fit beautifully in my sea locker. So, um, you know, when, when you're back on dry land, you got all kinds of space. But but this baby Taylor's been around the world on the ocean a couple of times. Oh, wow. Oh, look at the well-traveled guest. We got the other guy yeah. with the, uh, what was right? that thing called? A, a spinnaker? No, a yeah, a sexton. Guiding? A sexton, yeah. What's a spinnaker? That's a uh, sail. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. All right, there we go. <laughs> you all did right. sail once, oh, right? Wait, let me talk to you about my pony. You know, so, all right, we were talking about this do-it-yourself product. And usually, like, this might not be a supply chain topic, but 2020 is a very interesting year. And if you listen to, to Mario Harrick earlier in the show, he said 51% of people have started a do-it-yourself project during COVID. Now you go, well, why is that important? Who cares if someone's building a shed? Well, it's driving a lot of freight. It's driving a lot of the domestic freight that's moving in America and a lot of the imports. Tell me a little bit about some of your do-it-yourself projects and what you're seeing. <laughs> In line with that, Daniel. Yeah, so, you know, April, May, when it, it was pretty clear that we were going to be spending a lot of time at home, I was like, okay, the kids aren't going to the pool. And so my wife found plans for a stock tank pool. So, you know, we I, I ordered a, a, a stock tank and a pump and a bunch of gravel and rock and, um, you know, ha had all this stuff set up. And, you know, here, and, and we planted the garden and we started composting. And here we are in September. And I'm like, you know, I think the kids used the pool twice this summer, um, and I, I got half a truck of gravel in the driveway that I still have to find a home for. And I'm like, you know, the good news is we hauled a bunch of freight. The bad news is I'm not sure it created a whole lot of value over the long term. But, um, you know, the, the thing that I find so interesting about it, like it's really easy to look at what's happened with coronavirus and everybody assumes um, supply chains have gotten disrupted and it's all bad. But but the truth is there are a lot of, yes, there are a ton of supply chains that are in huge trouble, like 
movie theaters, entertainment, right? Where, you know, we're just not doing those things. We're not consuming that stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole nother bunch of stuff where demand went through the roof, right? Um, Home improvement is a a great example. Um, uh, One of my kids' art teachers. Video Video games, right. Yeah. Art, art supplies, right? You know, where you end up, I mean, you've only got so much inventory and, you know, we don't, we don't think about that as much, but you know, whether it's demand going up really fast or demand going down really fast, your supply chain's got to be flexible enough to support that because it, you know, if you've got customers that want to buy your stuff and you don't have stuff to sell them, well, guess what? They're going to go someplace else. You miss out on that revenue. You lose a customer. Um, and, and and frankly, you you might even um, you know not just lose a sale, but you may really lose the customer over the long term because you weren't there for them when they needed you. Yeah, you know, Dan, you know, Daniel, you 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 wrote a book that I think would be appropriate at least for for Dooner and I, maybe not our audience, but because uh, <laughs> we're we're not we're not really that bright. Right. Right. Just saying, nothing personal. We all start someplace, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if they can zoom in on that, but uh, supply chain for Dooner and the dude. I think it says. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you a great story. I had a VP from a great uh, from a huge CPG company that that will remain unnamed, um, but she told me her, her first day on the job, she walked into a, a, a meeting with all of her direct reports in the conference room, right? Senior executives, big fancy conference room, their new boss walks in, slams down a copy of the book on the table, and she says, this is what we got to do. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, you know, I got to tell you something. Like, so one of the things about your book, though, Supply Chain for Dummies, it says it right up here. And this is like our freight show. I don't want to say for dummies, but my philosophy for, for producing freight shows, producing What the Truck, and the shows I did beforehand was, was always to not make it that webinar, to make it more accessible, yeah. to bring in people who were in their first few years in the industry or people who just want to be informed. They don't need to know exactly how the watch takes, but they want to know what time it is. And that's that's been our focus, and that's kind of been yours as well. How have, what made you decide to start educating the industry that way? So, you know, I've been around the industry for a while, and we've been having these talks for as long as I can remember about, you know, nobody knows what supply chain is. We're like the Rodney Dangerfield, and, you know, there are all these jobs and all these opportunities, but how do you find them? How do you explain it? And, um, you, you know, I we all struggle with that. And I finally figured out, well, listen, how do you make it easy for people to engage, right? Where, where, where do you give them that first rung on the ladder? The Four Dummies brand is a fabulous way to do that because, you know, it, it takes down that that um, that uh, concern about looking silly, right? And, and you just, you can have straight talk and you, you can um, sort of answer basic questions. Whereas, you know, the truth is when we're talking with other professionals, nobody wants to look dumb. We don't want to ask stupid questions. And, you know, so if somebody says, yeah, we need to update the TMS so that it syncs with the ERP and we need to get the whole thing in blockchain, <laughs> nobody wants to look dumb. So they just like nod. Yeah. yeah. And nothing happens, right? Yeah. You don't get anything useful accomplished. What's actionable about that? That's just a bunch of terms. Right. They're bullet points. That's You might as well hand me a PowerPoint. I, like, I don't know anything. I haven't learned anything. Like, it sounds cool. It yeah, sounds, it sounds good. Awesome. Verb, uh, adjective, noun, yeah. verb, adjective, Should noun. Should I pass this to report? A couple of these. But you know what? There, there's, it's detrimental, though. It's detrimental. And the reason I say that is because then people get into these systems. We're trying to build out freight tech. We're trying yeah. to get people to drop these cells. We're trying to get them to adopt this stuff. But if they do it in a uh, an uninformed way or they do it in an accidental way, they do it just because they think they need it but not knowing why they need it, it's detrimental to us all because then nobody renews. And then those systems become legacy systems that nobody uses. 
And, and, you know, the other piece to that is so often, you know, we find ourselves being these deep subject matter experts in kind of a narrow specialization. But the truth is, you know, our stuff is only useful if it if it's useful to our customers and suppliers, right? right if it on. syncs with all that. And yep. so you need to have a way to sort of understand. Okay, Daniel's uh, Daniel's locked up for a second, but he's saying we need to bring together the supply chain. And, you know, Daniel brings together, uh, you know, he, he brings together a ton of points. And one of the yeah, ones that, if we bring him back up, we're going to talk to him is uh, about sole sourcing. It's another one of those things where people go, why don't you just diversify the supply chain? And I know we touched on it, and Daniel was going to be uh, a little bit of an expert of ours. Yeah, on I was going to ask him about that, you know, going along the ignorance thing, right? He kind of points out that we we tend to focus on one, one problem at a, at a time, right? And yeah. we tend... We tend, we tend to forget things. We're very short-lived on our thing. And he, what he points out is we really forget why we went to, you know, the ease of sole sourcing in this narrower supply chain. It's cheaper and easier to manage, and now we're trying to make it more difficult. But hopefully tech is going to allow us to be able to manage those as easily as we did the smaller or thinner supply chains, right, And instead of this, this web as we've talked about before. Yeah, I mean— Hey, I think we have Daniel just long enough to say goodbye to you before we jump into our break. But, Daniel, uh, let's promote your book here really quick because I think it's a good one. And yeah, uh, if you're a Put That Coffee Down listener, there's a good chance you could win one of these by tuning into that show. But this is Supply Chain Management for Dummies. They go get in on Amazon, right, Daniel? Absolutely. Bestseller on Amazon. And they, uh, we, we've got a new edition with uh, a bunch of new technologies and more talk about risk management and coronavirus coming out in December. Now, Daniel, give me your, give me your, uh, your favorite country song. My favorite country, um, The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. Hands the Gambler down. by Kenny Rogers. Oh, man. man, I'll take that Hurt cover that Johnny Cash did, the, the nine in the, of Trent Reznor's Hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. Which is beautiful. Trent Reznor oh. actually said he owns that one now. He's like, you own that. You took that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I love Johnny Cash. Folsom Prison Blues. Hey, but, I, I was hey, going with Folsom Prison. Right that's on, a good bro. one, too. Don, good uh, one. Daniel, you stay safe out there, man. I know that storm may be coming your way, so stay dry, stay safe. We come back, heading over to the Port of Long Beach. We'll find out how they're dealing with pandemics right here on What the Truck. Joining us now on What the Truck is Dr. Noel Hasigaba. He is the Deputy Executive Director at the Port of Long Beach, joining us right out there in the field in Long Beach. Dr. Noel, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Right, my yeah, Boston welcome, slipped doctor. out for a second. There was a, I think it was the cowboy yeah, Boston. Hat. <laughs> As George Abernathy said, "All hat, no cattle." Is he? I don't see the fields. You said he was out there in the fields. Well, in, yeah, in he's close enough to the field or the port. Big whatever agricultural community there in Long Beach. Speaking of that environment, uh, you know, we all saw that famously saw that picture of of L.A. back in April in COVID. It looked so clear, and everyone's like, "Wow, look how beautiful everything looks." During uh, NBC Sunday Night Football, we then see another picture. It's all gray skies over there. So, how are you holding up over at the port, and what are things looking like? Well, we still have a, a number of fires up and down the state, but thankfully things are beginning to clear up. I'm looking outside my window, and, and it hasn't been this clear in weeks, so we're very grateful that things uh, appear to be moving in the right direction. Fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a thing where, you know, they saw uh, San Francisco with the orange sky and people wearing masks and say, imagine telling somebody two years ago that, yeah, they're not wearing a mask because of the orange sky. It's something else as well. Hey, Dr. No, question for you. If someone told you back in in April, right, at the start of this pandemic, at least on the U.S. side, that you were going to still be setting records for your busiest months, months after month at the Port of Long Beach, would you have been surprised? Did you foresee this coming? And how are you managing it? Well, first of all, this year has been a year of surprises. I mean, the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs went to the Super Bowl and won, that was a big <laughs> surprise. Little did we know that uh, there were a number of other surprises coming one after the other. But the, the reality is that 
COVID has in, in many ways uh, disrupted the supply chain like never before. And what we're seeing today, the record volumes, the record numbers, is really the, the, the result of COVID and, and how it's shifted things from traditional peak to what we have now. So yeah, today we're celebrating the volumes, but I can tell you in the first quarter of this year, uh, we were all very concerned about what the future looked like w- would look like in the, in, in the days ahead. Yeah, you know, doctor, the last time I was out there was uh, for a conference and they were just working on the bridge or they were working on the bridge out there. That's coming near completion, is it not? How will that help your logistics there? Yeah, that's one of our, our major capital uh, investment projects. That bridge will be completed next month. It'll be taller to accommodate the bigger ships to transit underneath it. That bridge today currently carries 15%, one-five of the nation's goods. So it's a wow. very important piece of infrastructure, not just for us, but for the nation. You know, That's amazing. When we look at these these volumes, there's a couple things going on, right? There's the pandemic, but there's also the trade war and tariffs. And I think sometimes the tariffs get a little lost in that conversation. So how much of these volumes have been driven one by the other? Have, have tariffs been a detractor on trade? What are you seeing from your seat? Well, there's no question that COVID is the primary factor. But certainly when you layer on the uh, ongoing U.S.-China trade dispute, uh, we uh, experienced the one-two punch. Here in Long Beach, uh, we are highly dependent on Chinese cargo. In fact, 70% of our business is with China alone. So when you layer on the U.S.-China trade dispute, uh, that is the second largest factor right now. We were hoping that uh, with a phase one deal struck in January, that things would uh, begin to move in the right direction. And of course, uh, COVID hit. But I would say that today, the biggest factor without question is COVID. Wow. So uh, how have you guys responded to, to, to COVID? How's the, how's the port there responded to the pandemic? Well, internally, we established uh, what we call a business recovery task force. It's internal to the port. When we started hearing reports that the virus was uh, spreading across China and eventually Asia, we knew it was just a matter of time before it made its way to America. Uh, we started feeling the uh, impacts on the supply side as this uh, coronavirus effectively brought the uh, manufacturing operation arm of China to a halt. Uh, that was the first quarter of this year. And then when the virus made its way here to the U.S. and all the health orders, folks uh, confined to their homes, we started seeing the demand side of it. So this business recovery task force that I have the pleasure of leading is all about uh, getting real-time information, sharing it with all of our stakeholders, all of our industry partners, making sure that everyone has the latest information to be able to make real-time decisions and make sure the supply chain gets going. And that's one thing I would say as well, that in spite of all the health orders confining folks to their homes, port operations, the supply chain, uh, we were very fortunate that we were classified as essential. And we have not closed uh, our operation a single day, even uh, throughout COVID. Wow, that, that deserves a little cowbell. Yeah. There you yeah. go. And Congratulations I, I, on that one. You know, let me ask you something, though. So a lot of supply chains have been tested. We always talk about this term resiliency. And, and an event like this, Black Swan event like this, really exposes the good sides and the warts. So let's talk about the warts first, then we'll talk about the good that it's exposed. But what, what in terms of operation at the Port of Long Beach have you seen that you're like, you know what, this shows something that we really need to singe up and sure up on, and now's the time to do it? Well, let me answer your question by giving you a positive example. Uh, At the height of the demand for COVID-related medical supplies, PPE, for example, uh, there was a critical need for the nation uh, to expedite and prioritize containers carrying that equipment. And I have to tell you, I am very proud of all of our industry partners coming together to prioritize those containers, to expedite them, move them through the docks as quickly as possible. 
Um, as of last count, uh, we're talking about thousands of containers that were identified that were prioritized and expedited. And here's where we get to your question. If we were able to prove and demonstrate that we could do that for those COVID-19 related containers, it shows the potential. It shows that what we can do on a day-to-day -day basis. And the issues that we're facing today, uh, whether it's uh, congestion, whether it's uh, chassis dislocations, whether it's uh, lack of uh, adequate uh, supply, because of this, uh, this significant surge, it's the same issues we've been dealing with over time. But we have been able to demonstrate as a gateway here in Long Beach that we are resilient, that when the, the, the challenge uh, grows, uh, we come to the table, we step up, and that's what we've been able to demonstrate. That's excellent stuff. So this business recovery task force, I believe, that, that you mentioned was there. It sounded like a lot of really good things in there, a lot of good themes, the, the collaboration, the sharing of data, et cetera. Is that the future for the Port of Long Beach? It has to be. Uh, what we've learned throughout this experience, the one-two punch of the U.S.-China trade war, the pandemic, is that we have to collaborate. We have to work together. Uh, we have to be in unison. After all, we are a system. Uh, we have to look at our respective uh, domains as part of that broader system. And I think you're absolutely right. Going forward, we have to collaborate, put our heads together, make sure that we're in sync, make sure that there's alignment between our different operating models to move our supply chain forward. Dr. Noel, we opened this show yesterday talking to Gene Soroka of the Port of L.A., and he said a very shocking fact, or at least it sounded shocking. Maybe it's not as shocking, but he said there's 49 million ransomware attempted attacks a month at the Port of L.A. Are you seeing similar activity, and how big of a threat are these ransomware attacks? We're seeing the same thing. I think uh, this pandemic, uh, having confined folks in their homes, a lot of people that uh, have nothing better to do are are finding uh, use of I'm going to go hack the port. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, idle hands. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, this is something that's been ongoing. If there is a blip, it's because of what I just said. Uh, but here at the ports in Southern California, we take this very seriously. Uh, someone once asked me, what keeps you up at night? I say cybersecurity, right? At a time when the industry has to come together and we have to share information as a critical part of our success, uh, we also need to maintain and ensure that it's protected. Uh, safety of data, uh, uh, protecting against cyber, cyber crimes and cyber threats, uh, that has to be critical a critical part of what we do going forward. Fantastic. Well, we only have about a minute left, so let us know what's, what's up on the horizon for the Port of Long Beach. Well, in this uh, current fiscal year, uh, we just completed a uh, a massive part of our capital infrastructure program. You talked about the bridge, Middle Harbor, which is our um, uh, the most modern uh, technologically advanced terminal that's gonna be completed first quarter next year as well. We've wow. got this massive rail on dockyards uh, facility called Pier B that's going to triple our capacity for on dock rail. I mean, we're very excited, very bullish about the future. We are the port of choice and we will live up to that tagline. Well, as our previous guest, Daniel Stanton, Mr. Supply Chain, said, uh, Dr. Noel has such a great perspective. Thanks for the work you and your team are doing. Same sentiments from us, Freightways, and the global trade tech audience. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you coming on our show. My pleasure. Thanks uh, for allowing me to be here. Thanks.
Yeah, absolutely. Thank hey, you, doctor. I think the do- I think the port's in good hands. I, I I do too, and I would I just like to say that he they felt fortunate they were they were called essential. We we're all fortunate that yeah. they were essential. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, yeah, you know exactly, and uh, the operations and the scope of what you have to handle at a port like that, and you t- t- you talk about COVID, you talk about the crisis of these cyber attacks. They're only going to get they're only going to get worse. It. Uh, it <laughs> Fifteen percent of the nation's goods cover that. I'm bridge. glad a doctor's handling it. When we come back, we're we'll talking to Andrew Berger from Front App right here on What the Trucks. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Call the golf cart, Michael Vincent. It's time to bring in Andrew Berger, VP of Global oh, yeah. Sales from the bullpen over at Front App. Bringing in the reliever, huh? Yeah, he's gonna th- he's gonna talk about up leveling your team's agility with a modern inbox. But before, let's humanize you a little bit because you have a really awesome background, and I imagine that some of the things you learned doing this in your background have helped you moving forward in life and in supply chain and what you're yeah. doing now. But you were a minor league pitcher in in the majors, right? For a few different teams. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate being on. Uh, it's really an honor to be with, with you guys. And so my background, uh, ever since I was a little kid, sports was my thing. Uh, I remember I was nine years old and my dad asked what I want to do. And I said, I want to play baseball on TV. I, I'm actually from the Bay area. And so my dad grew up, uh, listening to you know, stories about Juan Marichal, Sandy Koufax, you know, Eckersley and whatnot. Uh, so I kind of latched on to the Giants uh, a bit, and I was like, my dream is to play for the Giants. And <laughs> I was able to go to college and play sports, play baseball, and I got signed out of college, uh, played a season there. And when you're 22 years old and you get a paycheck to play, to paid to play your passion, it is like the greatest thing in the world. I'm getting paid to do my love in life. And then the inverse of that is that when the business side kicks in, you show you have a good season. You show up for spring training, and you realize, okay, there's all these other guys, 150 other guys, and they're going to draft 60 other kids. Oh, and they're paying them a couple hundred grand to play, and they're paying me a you know a, a plane ticket on Southwest <laughs> Airlines. And uh, one day, I w- uh, showed up to spring training, and my locker room, my locker was cleaned out. Oh. I'm like, what? Like, where my stuff? Where my stuff go? And I look, there's 10 bags. Second day of spring training. The 10 bags was me and nine other guys that got let go that day. Um, and so, you know, you get your dream and then it gets crushed. And then I tried it again, got let go, tried it again. And fortunately, my last time I, I spent about two, two and a half seasons with the, with the San Francisco Giants in the minor leagues. But, uh, you know, the mix of passion and love and then the kick of the business side was uh, it definitely shaped the foundation of who I am as I took that to uh, I worked at a different tech company and then a company called Square for about five years and and those principles of what I learned definitely apply to how we run teams today and what we're trying to do. Excellent stuff. I understand there was some good that came out of your experience there in baseball as well. You are a connoisseur yeah. of uh, Waffle House food. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Waffle House food. You nailed it. Uh, so <laughs> the, the, the last two seasons that I played, um, if there's anybody who knows anything about minor league baseball listening, there's a league down in the South Atlantic we nickname it called the Sally league, but it's called the South Atlantic league SAL. So I was based in Augusta, Georgia, about two and a half hours. Uh, I want to say West of, of Atlanta. And, you know, when you're taking 10 hour road trips with a, with a bus full of 50 guys, they got to eat. And what's the place that's always open and cheap waffle house. Uh, so we used, to, we used to joke about that. We knew every waffle house in Tennessee and Florida and Georgia. Um, and I learned then that if a Waffle House is closed during a hurricane, you know it's bad because that's the only time the Waffle House is closed. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like a Dunkin' Donuts closing in Boston. You know, if, if that's closed, that means something really, really terrible is on the right. horizon. That right. or like a local Irish uh, pub. So tell us a little bit about your yeah. gig now. So you are with the, with, with Front yeah. App. What do you guys do? You're yeah. trying to you're trying to help us communicate, right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think you guys can kind of read my my background a little bit and understand who I'm. I like big challenges, and what Front is doing is another big audacious challenge. We are on a mission to provide impact with people at work. And like, that's super ambitious and somewhat opaque. But what it really means is how do we improve our communications to provide an impact? And what is the number one piece of communication that I'm sure you guys use today? It's email. So it starts at the core of email. So what we have done is we've created an email platform that actually enables our customers or uh, people like yourselves to communicate faster and multi-channel. So, you know, think of a, a load or a shipment. If someone needs a text, you have to go to a different application. You know, we, I heard your, the, the other callers on before talking about like TMS integrations and supply chain. Well, what if I get an email, the PDF, and I have to drop in the pod, right? The proof of delivery in one, one, swipe, uh, one swipe. So those are like efficiency and productivity tools that also deliver impact and value to our customers. So what we're doing is really taking an inbox approach and a one inbox to rule them all that communicates and integrates with all the applications that you use to do your job, whether it's CargoWise or McLeod or Redwood Logistics, you name it, and bring it all front and center. And you can easily do handoffs, right? How many people actually touch one message of a shipping of a load, right? There's a lot of people involved. So how do you make that streamline more efficient, more automated? Um, so that's kind of what we're doing today. And we have about 6,100 customers, about 100 countries uh, as of now. Wow. That's amazing stuff. And I was listening to the demo, and I thought one of the interesting things was is that you guys uh, integrated, I believe you integrated text messaging into this as well, right? Yeah. So you can text directly out of this. Is that correct? That is correct. And so, you know, text message or SMS, as they say, is, is an extremely powerful channel. I mean, there's so many studies out there. I don't need to listen out there, but how many times do you, when you get a text, you look at your phone immediately versus when you get an email, it probably goes to spam, right? Oh, yeah. So the, that, that, that personalized communication and then a derivative off of that is actually what we see in our more emerging markets. Think of APAC, LATAM, uh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp is starting to be a, is an extremely popular communication method outside of the US. And so from one central inbox where you do work, right? I use my email as a task list where I do work every day. I can also get my text messages, WhatsApp, if, if um, some of our customers actually provide, you know, on their websites, you can chat with somebody that can go into the same place. So all that in one central place is pretty powerful. Yeah, it would, it would seem that because a lot of these tools, and it's been a theme that we've talked about as a theme at Carrier Summit as well, was a, a lot of people are adopting this tech, but are they using it? How do we use it? How do we integrate it? How do we make it actionable? And I think in a product like yours, that has to do with these quality of life tools you're actually giving to the user, right? Uh, and you're, you're yeah. bringing a lot of these funnels in. You make a great point. I, I mean, I know for me, the hardest way to reach me is probably via email. Like if you really want to get me immediately, it's it's text, it's a LinkedIn message, or it's Twitter. I mean, those are, those are the best ways. Yeah. That's the secret. And, but a lot of people are like that. And you'll see people on Twitter are like, look, uh, CEOs of companies, Dom from Fast is like, if you want to get me, just DM me on Twitter. You're never, yeah. I'm never going to find it in my email. Yeah. But how do you get, yeah. how do you get, how do you get users to adopt it? Yeah, Dom is awesome. Congrats to him yeah. on what's going with Fast, too. They launched last yeah, seriously. week. Yeah, like I, I've, I've been following them because like my background at Square, just like the way you do you know, online checkouts and whatnot. But um, how do you get users to adopt? So that is such... A, a, a crucible of a problem, but it's it's something yeah, we don't like to talk about problems. Talk about opportunities, right? So the opportunity here is if you think about 
however long you guys have been using email, probably Gmail or Outlook for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, same across the industry. The average front user saves like 13 hours per week in front, but it's a new platform. It's a new type of, of, of email uh, in terms of like the client and the interface itself. So we actually have a team dedicated in what we call change management. There's philosophies that we abide by and we have to bring them along for the journey. And just like every other tr- you know, new thing, it, you get excited about change and then it goes off the, off the rails for a second and then we bring it back in and then you, can, then you get back to um, realizing that value. So for us, how do we get users adopted? A, it's, we have to show the value of the platform. Like At the end of the day, are you going to bring me more money? Are you going to save me more money? Or are you going to fix the problem I have? Full stop. If we could do that, we get the buy-in. Then we run our end users and like you know the operations folks, the brokers, the account managers, those type of folks that live in this every single day. We actually work with them for almost three months to make sure that they're comfortable using the application day in and day out to do their job. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So any closing thoughts there? Can you give us some uh, 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 yeah. quotes or anything like that, how the customers are using <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. It's a quote. So... Um, how about a guy out of um, San Diego? So his name's Warren Cucker. Um, he's he's a he's a friend of friend of Front, a uh, huge fan. And and what he's told us is that Front has been absolutely fantastic, even as they transition to, to remote work. And and actually, as side note, like when we when COVID hit, right, we are like, oh my god, what's kind of going on? And everybody hunkered down, and a lot of companies were working with this idea to pause for a hot minute. And then they started to talk to us again once they realized we're distributed. How do we keep everybody on the same page, accountable and visible? So Warren was saying, Front has been absolutely fantastic. Even as we've transitioned to remote work, it's been so crucial to our business that I don't know how we would stop using Front, even if we wanted to. <laughs> and you know, for us, you know, we could talk a lot about it, but I think the, the real value you'll get is if you actually start a, start a free trial. You can look at Front, you can play around with it, we can set you up, make sure you know how to use it, and just see it for itself. You know, I, I believe in um, show, don't tell, so uh, I encourage people to check it out. Well, I believe in you, Andrew, after this conversation. So where do people go right after this where to check out the, uh, the front app or right after yeah. this conference? Yeah, go to frontapp.com. Um, you can feel free to email me directly. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Spam me all you want. Andrew.Berger <laughs> at frontapp.com. Bring them on. I have my whole triage system um, and would love to show you under the hood. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for your time today. Excellent stuff. Wow. Right, How guys. did you like his pitch? I loved his pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. You know, he, he always did. Remember when the, yeah, they had LifeLock and that guy would put the, his social security number on the side of a truck in the commercial and be like, I'm just driving around my self-security. Nobody can get in there. He just put out, he's got the email app and he put his, he's put his email out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, similar there you stuff. Go, because I can easily manage it with any one of my apps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Michael awesome I got to say, we've, we've had some really, really wonderful guests on yeah. What the Truck these, these past two sessions between today and yesterday. You can go back and listen to yesterday's. Look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player of choice or look it up on Freightcast. Freightcast our feed where you get every single Freightways podcast, including the Morning Minute, including the Midday Market Update, including What the Truck, Put That Coffee Down, and exclusives like Supply Chain Spotlight. Definitely check it out. It's all, it's all free. Get that Freight waves tv app you can watch this stuff back if you want to see what this cowboy hat looks like live and in living color i guarantee you it's black <laughs> Man, we got, what, so, what do you got coming up we got a lot well you have a big session coming up but right before that our next session's coming up is what minimum contact maximum efficiency faster handling through technology that's gonna be with scott case and joshua wolf scott case is with position global joshua wolf is with cargo spirit group what do you think 
Yeah, no, I'm 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 very definitely interested in this one. Um, I'll be preparing for mine uh, live, but definitely minimum, you know, handling better efficiency through technology. That's what we're talking about here, right? It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Uh, it's right whole thing. in one nutshell, it's going to be a very, very interesting. And I, I love Scott Case and, and Joshua Wolf, so it'll be a very interesting content that's going to be there. I like that the conversations this year have changed a lot. I've been to a lot of conferences, yeah. and a lot of it was just trying to sell people on the tech, make awareness of the tech. But it's here. You know, freight tech is here. And now the conversations are, okay, we know it's good. We know we need it. How do we integrate it? How do we tie it together? Because more tech, more problems with, the, with those silos and everything. But I implore you, those silos, people problem. You've got to have the right people in the right places to do the training, to get people to use the stuff, and also make the right choices. And I hope we can guide you here with some of these demos and some of these guests that we've talked to so you make sure you use the right solution. Exactly, exactly. And and on my, my show, Freight Forecasting, that will be coming up at, uh, what, 2.35 today. Sure. It's usually Thursdays. Freight Forecasting Thursdays on Freightways TV at 4 o'clock. Still Thursdays. Uh, well, yeah, it is. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. Today it's not. <laughs> yes. Today it's today is a special one. But uh, it, it's all about not only the data and the disparate data sets and different types of data that you need for freight forecasting from all different perspectives, but it, it's, it goes into how to use it. Because like we said before, and I think it was Pervin said that, uh, you getting the data and not making any any cho- any decisions or actions out of it is like going to the dentist and being told you got a cavity, right? Sure. So on this show, Jeff uh, D'Angelo, the founder of Turvo, who was best in show winner, will be talking about uh, just that, really, the data and uh, the different siloed data, cleansing that data, collaboration, real-time transparency of that data, and then how to actually extract value out of it and what the, the industry really needs to do. Sure. It's your version of the messaging we give to a lot of our guests when we talk about freight tech is that you have to teach people how to use it to increase that adoption, to get people comfortable, to really see how it works. And shows like yours and with Sonar really train the user on on how to actually get inside of it. On What the Truck Midday Market Update, we talk about the numbers that are spit out of it. But you guys really lift the hood up and show people, okay, this is how you build this screen, and this is how you can tie it into your supply chain. We all know everyone's supply chains are so unique, disparate, and different from one another. Go to live.freightwaves.com, register you have until 3.30 to win that Nespresso. We're giving five of them away. It's a luxury coffee maker. And you know, luxury coffee tastes better than, uh, I don't know, non-luxury coffee. This ain't no <laughs> Motel 6 coffee, is it? This ain't your daddy's Keurig. Nuh-uh, this is the next generation. And it's not going to end up under your uh, under your kitchen sink like, I don't know, a soda stream or your George Foreman grill out of the yard sale. These things are actually pretty good. No, you're going to use it. Yeah. For real. It's yeah. not like your Peloton. Hey, I got my PS5. <laughs> I, I use I have a Peloton. Just kidding. I use, I, you know, I got my pre-order on my PS5, by the way, the PS5 watchers. Oh, you who did? Have been doing, oh, yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, on Best Buy last night, two, 2 in the morning. I picked it up. Awesome stuff. Everyone, take care. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for Global Trade Tech. we got one more segment coming up right back now. This has been What the Truck. I'm Duner. That's the dude. What do you like to say, dude? Peace and love. Peace and love. Here's a little cowbell for everybody out there. Thank you so much for your time today. Baby! Baby! Yeah, baby! Thank you!